and welcome to a special OU edition of the Texan Overtime Podcast. My name is Michael Shapiro. I am the sports editor here at the Daily Texan. Joining me as always is our senior sports reporter and football beat writer, Mr. Alex Brasenio. Alex, how about them Yankees, man? ALCS bound. my goodness. I said it last week. World Series. Here we come. Oh, I was so excited. You know, down 2-0 in the series. Everyone wants to fire Girardi. You know, everybody says this lineup's done. The pitching staff can't get it done. You get a big outing from Tanaka Game 3, Severino in Game 4, and then my good, good friend Didi Gregorius in Game 5. That was electric. I was so happy last night. I mean, I thought there was going to be a funeral for Joe and yeah. the Yankees. I mean, down 2-0, that, I mean, blowing a five-run lead. It was looking bad, but... Never doubt. I mean, Didi, what the heck? I love you. You know, he, he took that Jeter mantle just unbelievably. It's like, you know, you forget Derek's even even been gone. It's really been a wonderful I don't know about thing. that, but. It's true. Good you job, Didi. No one can ever replace Derek in my heart. I think that's pretty fair. Uh, also joining us today is our associate sports editor and co-football beat writer. Uh, and I guess proclaimed Astros fan because of the Round Rock Express or something convoluted like that, Mr. Trenton Dashner. Trenton, give me, again, the real quick rundown of why you're rooting for the Astros in these playoffs. The evil Astros. I am one of the very few diehard Round Rock Express fans that exist in this world. <laughs> and when the Astros, the Astros used to be uh, the major, the, obviously the big league club right. for the Express, and but the Express switched hats many years ago to the Rangers but I still root for both teams because why not? All right, you know we might have to change it as once this once the ALCS gets started because I don't I don't know if we can really we have to be unified here in the Texan Overtime Podcast. Let's just all root for New York. It'll be more fun that way <laughs> for sure. Uh, but something all uh, people in the Forty Acres will be rooting for this weekend is a Longhorn win over Oklahoma. The Longhorns will face off against the Sooners on Saturday, a two thirty start this year. At the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, the Longhorns are opening as a seven and a half point underdogs. Uh, Longhorns coming off a win against Kansas State last week. Oklahoma lost at home to Iowa State in a shocker. Uh, first off, fellas, I think what we really got to talk about. You know, Tom Herman said on Monday he doesn't want to tell us or Lincoln Riley or Mike Stoops who his starter is going to be on Saturday at quarterback. But it's got to be Sam Ellinger at this point, right? Pardon me, Sam Ellinger <laughs> with a hard G at this point, right? I mean, I think everybody and their mother knows who's going to start Saturday. Um, I mean, Tim Beck said it yesterday that he's not down on Shane's play, but he knows who the hot name is right now, and he, he knows that the media and the fans know that Sam is the guy. And so I, they haven't announced it, but they've come, I mean, just short of it. So I, I think everybody is anticipating Sam to be out there Saturday. Trent, you agree you think it should and will be Ellinger, or do you think something else here? 100% should, and I think will be Sam Ellinger. He's done enough, in my opinion, to win the job, especially after the performance that he gave against Kansas State. Some would argue he did enough against in, uh, in the USC game to win the job, mm-hmm. but Sam's the hot hand. He appear- I think he's... I think he's probably a better quarterback than Shane Bichel at this point. Even so? if Shane is 100% healthy, I think Sam just creates – he's more dynamic, especially running the ball, and I think Sam will be the guy on Saturday. And I think he, at this point, I'm I'm changing my opinion. I think he gives Texas the best chance to win. You know, it's kind of funny how quick public opinion has swayed over a three-week span. <laughs> I think you know, three weeks ago everyone said it should still definitely be Bouchel. Things then, change. Then last week we said it should be Bouchel, but we're not quite sure. And now it seems like pretty much – Everyone on the 40 acres is, you know, claiming for, you know, 
Ellinger to go in there and step and take the starting role. And it's, honestly, I think it's a real shame for Shane Bouchelle. You know, he didn't really do anything. It's not his fault. He set freshman records last year in 12 starts for touchdown and yards. The first play from scrimmage against Maryland, he gets sacked and has been really banged up all year. But this thing happens. You know, Ellinger is clearly a more physically imposing presence. Alex, why do you think that Sam is, you know, clearly the choice going forward? What does he bring to the table that Shane Bouchelle doesn't? I think when people, when the Longhorn fans think of Shane, I think they're going to think about the season opening loss and the uh, lack of offense against Iowa State. And I mean, he his numbers were decent, um, pretty good actually against Iowa State. But it's just that's what people are going to think about when people think about uh, Sam. They're going to think about his last drive against USC in regulation, and they're going to think of him running over Kansas State defenders right. in, in double overtime. And so that's just how the memory works for Longhorn fans. And, I mean, Sam has just put on a show. And, I mean, he's clearly won over the Longhorn faithful. Yeah, you know, you look at the kind of plays that Tim Beckreich's throw on his offense. You know, it's a lot of QB power, a lot of downhill runs involving the quarterback in the running game. I just don't think Bouchelle would be able to handle that for an entire season. He couldn't really even handle it for his two starts. I mean, how much does the Tim Beck... Tom Herman's scheme play into this decision, do you think, Trent? Mm, I, I'm not sure the scheme plays a ton into really? it. I, I think, I mean, on paper, ideally, Sam is the more prototypical quarterback, obviously. But, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with how Sam has played within the offense um, over the, over his body of work so far. He's, he's, he's played better, uh, or arguably better than Shane, I think. And especially in that Kansas State game, just the dynamic that he made uh, running the football. I mean, he had 107 rushing yards on 20 on 20 carries, and he was running over Kansas State guys left and right, like Alex said. And we just don't see that right. out of n- normal quarterbacks, and we don't certainly haven't seen it out of Shane Buchel. And and you know, I don't think Shane is still 100 percent healthy. That's obviously playing a role in it, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I. I Sam gives you the best chance to win right now, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, Ellinger had 20 carries on Saturday, which was pretty striking to me. And hardly any of those were were QB scrambles. You know, a lot of them were such design runs where they wanted to get him moving, get him four or five yards on the ground. It just seems like the kind of hits that Ellinger dishes out, Michelle wouldn't be able to take. Uh, Again, you know, no slight to Shane, but it just seems like with the way that Texas wanted to play this year, which is smash mouth, physical, you know, predicated upon some downhill running it seems like Ellinger is clear the guy moving forward um he did get a lot of help from a spectacular effort from his wide receiving core I thought on Saturday led by you know Armati Foreman had a few grabs Reggie Hemphill Maps had a bunch of catches I think he tallied you know 12 catches 120 yards is this the deepest position group for the Longhorns you think this is the best position group the Longhorns have Alex no doubt and this isn't a surprise. I mean, uh, everybody knew that this was the deepest and most consistent unit, um, but they were still asking for a little bit more going into uh, Kansas State, and they finally got. I mean, Reggie, he, he's an athlete. He can mm-hmm. he can break plays, and everybody knew that. But he finally showed that um, he stopped returning punts from the one yard line mm-hmm. and started you know moving the ball downfield. So I, I think I mean look for him. Uh, Colin Johnson's steady. He hasn't had you know like a huge performance since uh, USC. I think the Big Twelve defenses are starting to know how to you know play with him. But look for I mean Colin Johnson. He, he's gonna have you can only hold him down for so long. So look for Colin Johnson. Obviously Reggie's gonna take over. Um, but I mean I, it's a no doubter for me. I think the wide receiver unit is 
by far the deepest on the team. Trenton, you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, like Alex mentioned, you know, Herman made an interesting point when he said that he challenged the wide receiver group heading into the Kansas State mm-hmm. game because he was actually kind of disappointed in, in, in the, their performances uh, up until that point. But I, I think we're still waiting for kind of a breakout game from Colin Johnson. He's Texas's leading receiver this season um, by, by quite a lot. Of, by quite a lot, he's caught their only touchdown pass, I believe. Um, or no, my bad. He's got one touchdown pass. Armani Foreman's got three. But no, he's got 485 yards, and Reggie Hempel is the second guy with 261 yards. I think, But it feels like we still haven't seen yeah, it's, Colin Johnson's maximum potential yet. It's kind of funny that you say that because I, I was thinking the same thing, that how are the Longhorns going to scheme Colin Johnson out of this? How is he going to start you know, breaking out? But then you pull up the numbers. I mean, take away the Iowa State game. He has seven catches for 125 yards in a TD against Maryland, seven catches for 191 yards against USC. And in what seemed like a very quiet week for him last week, he still hauled in seven receptions for 92 yards. Like, maybe we have too high expectations for him. Maybe that's just how good he is. But even when he's hauling in seven balls for 95 yards, seems like it's a quiet week for Colin Johnson. I kind of think that will bode well for him going through the rest of the season. If he hasn't broken out yet, if we feel like he's having quiet days when he's getting nearly 100 yards receiving, I mean, imagine what's going to happen when he has a big day. I mean, he think I think he's the kind of guy that can have, you know, James Washington, you know, kind of numbers like, you know, at Oklahoma State or like D.D. Westbrook did at Oklahoma last year. If they start involving him in the offense early and often, you know, maybe on some screens, some slants, some bubbles, I think he might have a big, big day on Saturday. And I think a way to start doing that is to uh, – Sam might, you know, figure this out. It's a – distribute the ball to the other receivers so i mean the the defenses can't just focus on him they're they're gonna be forced to respect the rest of that unit which i mean as they've shown is the strongest on the field yeah so i think texas offense is going to be able to move the ball against oklahoma i think we're all pretty set on that you know the sooners gave up 31 at home last week to iowa state just think about the damage that texas's offense can do i know it was kind of an outlier performance oklahoma's defense have been pretty good prior to that um but, you know, they have struggled in Big 12 play thus far. You know, surrender 41 points to Baylor, 31 points on to Iowa State. I think the Longhorns are going to move the ball effectively. But then comes the hard part on the other side of the ball. And it all starts with stopping Baker Mayfield because this guy has been unbelievable this year. I mean, they lost last week, and, you know, he had kind of a, a anticlimactic four and out to end the game against Iowa State. But check out these numbers he's put up this year. He's put up nearly 1,700 yards passing. 15 picks or 15 touchdowns, no picks, you know, 75% completion percentage. How do you even start to contain this guy, Trent? <laughs> well, I mean, you got to get after him, and that's extremely hard to do, especially with Oklahoma's offensive line. It's one of the best in the country. But Texas, they did get after Baker two years ago in the game that um, they upset Oklahoma in 24 17. They got six sacks, I believe, against Baker. Um, and But he's, he's so elusive, though. He's so hard to bring down. He can leave the pocket at any, at any moment, break through, uh, you know, wiggle out of tackles and and keep the play alive. And he, he's, he's just really tough to contain. And Coach Herman said that he's just a nightmare for, you know, any any opposing yeah. coach. So pressure on the quarterback will be key. Texas has shown that they have a legitimate pass rush this year, yep. but they're going to have a big test against that offensive line for Oklahoma. So, yeah, that we'll see on Saturday how that plays out. Yeah, I think, you know, bringing pressure is, is obviously key, but you got to bring guys like this to the ground. You know, if you let Mayfield escape out of your grasp or if you break your lane and let him get outside the pocket, that's where he's going to be the most lethal. You know, if there are broken plays, Baker Mayfield standing there outside of the hashes, he's going to, you know, he's going to wreak havoc because Texas, Texas secondary won't be able to contain for that long. Once you get in the backfield of OU, you got to allow, you got to bring Mayfield to the ground or you are in trouble. 
I think it's kind of an interesting schematic matchup here because you know Todd Orlando's going to want to bring pressure. You know he's going to want to throw guys in Mayfield's face. But that's a big risk. If you're you know bringing six, bringing seven guys, you don't get there. That Texas secondary is going to be very, very vulnerable. Alex, do you expect you know Orlando to keep bringing the pressure that he has been throughout the year? Do you kind of see them backing off? You know, Iowa State had a lot of success, you know, rushing three, dropping eight against Mayfield. What kind of scheme do you think Orlando is going to bring on Saturday? If I had to decide, I think that I would go with that same approach, yeah. the the three up front. Um, but then again, I mean, Baker can do some crazy things. And so if he starts, you know, scrambling around, then you might have to send more people. Uh, but then, you know, comes a problem with he'll throw it over your head. So uh, I, I would start with the three up front and work with that and then see how that goes. And then if that, you know, falls apart, you know, start sending more packages at him. Um, but it's really going to come down to how he handles that in the first quarter. If he, you know, breaks out some big plays, it's going to have to be, you know, a lot of adjustments on the fly. Mm-hmm. Trenton, do you see Orlando kind of pulling back from his pressure-heavy, you know, kind of mantra, or do you think that the Longhorns will still be coming after or Mayfield really bringing pressure like they usually do? I think you got to try and go after Mayfield. You can't just let him sit back there and make plays and, you know, have all the – all the time in the world. And, you know, another thing, another interesting point about Oklahoma is that they don't have D.D. Westbrook this year. Right. And D.D. Westbrook straight up torched Texas in last year's game. He he had his, I mean, how many receiving yards did he have in the game? He had 200-something, didn't he? It was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I, I left the game of the Cotton Bowl. I, yeah, I thought he, D.D. Westbrook he was, was the best receiver running past Texas defensive backs all afternoon long. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I agree. I think Texas, they, they can't just – forward to sit back and, and let Baker throw the ball. They got to get after him. I agree. Uh, Westbrook, by the way, last year in the Cotton Bowl, ten receptions, two hundred thirty-two yards, mm. three TDs. I think all of those three touchdowns were fifty-yard plus. I mean, yeah. he shredded mm-hmm. uh, the Longhorn secondary. So Mayfield obviously is the problem, but it seems like you know OU lost Breen, they lost Joe Mixon, and everyone kind of thought that this backfield would struggle and Mayfield wouldn't have the same kind of weapons. Uh, not the case. Trey Sermon. Abdul Adams have come in here. Both have rushed for over 350 yards so far this year. You know, Adams is averaging 10.6 yards a carry. What kind of pressure are they going to put on the Longhorn defense today? I mean, Adams had a 99-yard touchdown. Um, that, that's scary. I mean, especially uh, last week when Texas gave up, what was it, a 72-yard touchdown? I mean, it was through the air, but still, I mean, those big plays have really, I mean, in the past anyway, have killed Texas. Um so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Texas has been fairly decent at stopping the run, minus Kansas State's backup quarterback. Right. Um, outside of that, they've been pretty solid. So it'll be interesting to see if Oklahoma can get a, a solid run game against this Longhorn defense. And, you know, you mentioned the big play, the 99-yard run their back had it earlier, and, you know, the 72-yard pass Texas gave up last week. Trenton, it seems like in the Cotton Bowl, when you give up big plays, those are really backbreakers. You know, it's one thing to give up a big play at home or even, you know, in a road stadium, but in such a charged atmosphere like Texas OU, it seems like whoever makes the most, you know, turnovers, whoever makes those big 50, 40 yard plus plays, they're going to win the game. How critical is it for the Longhorns to kind of contain the Oklahoma offense, you know, keep them outside of those 30 plus yard plays? They've got to be able to get some stops early and get some confidence because we've seen in years past in those games where. You know, Oklahoma will get off the hot starts, and the game kind of gets out of hand, and then it's over by the second quarter, and the momentum's completely gone. Texas has no shot the rest of the game. So, And momentum is everything. It always has been in the Red River Showdown. Like you said, those 
momentum plays, those plays, they're just constant. You know, returns, interceptions. Yes, just the crazy, weird plays that can happen that just alter the game. But yeah, Texas, they got to get off to a hot start. They got, they got to get after Mayfield early. They got to keep him off the field. And you know, Texas, they've got to string together some drives. We'll see how good this offensive line continues um, to play and how successful Texas can be running the football because that's still a big question mark, and I think that'll be a key for Texas early in the game. Yeah, it's still a very big question mark as to who is going to get the most carries. You know, it might be Sam Ellinger, to be honest. I mean, I don't think Carter or Warren or Porter, really any of them, separated themselves. That's what Herman said at his press conference on Monday, right? And it, well, it's a, vul- it's a vulnerable Oklahoma defense, too, so I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how Texas kind of attacks that. What's the kind of game plan they have? Do they go run heavy? Do they, you know, like last week, do they have Sam throw it a bunch? They have Sam running a bunch. You know, we'll see how the game plan shakes out. It should be a very charged atmosphere in Dallas. Uh, one quick thing before we get to our predictions. 2.30 start time this year, moving away from the traditional 11 a.m. kickoff. You guys fans of the 2.30, or are you against it? What do you think? Well, having gone the past two years, I like the 11 a.m. kickoff. I think, nice. it's, I think it's interesting. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny as you're walking into the game, you see people popping beers at 8 a.m. <laughs> yeah, I get started early. Yeah, I mean, so a 2.30 kick will probably have the crowd maybe a little bit more lively, if, if, even though it already is pretty lively. Warm, but, I mean, I think the 2.30 kick is interesting. I remember 2010 watching that game mm-hmm. um, where, where Texas lost 28-20 and Aaron Williams fumbled that punt return yep. at the end. But, you know, you kind of had the shadows creeping in later in the game. I thought that was kind of a, a weird thing. But I, 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 like to, I like it either way. I don't care. Either, I mean, people probably love it, hate it, but one thing that everybody will hate, 92 degrees is the uh, predicted temperature for kickoff. Uh, That's not fun. Um, However, tailgates might go a little bit longer than they usually do now, so, I mean, people might not care by that point. That's true. Got to put that sunscreen on. Can't believe the stadium looking like a lobster. The good thing, though, about the 2.30 start time is, how many corn dogs do we think I can eat before kickoff? Because usually with the 11 a.m. kick, you know, you get there, you get to the fair, you got to go right into the stadium. Now, can I get to five? Can I well, get to six? I, my question Maybe. is, I've never been there, so how, how big are these corn dogs? I mean, they're pretty they're, sized. They're, they're, they're sizable. Okay. I mean, okay. it is the Texas um, State Fair. I'm more impressive you eat a couple turkey legs, though. The turkey legs are good. Are Why not both? Oh, man. I'm going to. Okay, what would be the over-under of the combo? Like a, one turkey leg for one corn dog. I can eat more corn dogs than I can turkey. I don't oh, think yeah. I eat more than one turkey Oof. leg. Not more than one? Are you kidding me? Of the turkey, those things are huge. Hey, huge. I could go two corn dogs. Two thirty kickoff though. You know, one for breakfast, one for lunch. <sighs> Sounds good. Sounds tasty. Get some fried Oreos. Oh, for I'm sure. excited. Y'all in the press box, you gotta load up. I have like a nice, like silky Oreo pie. And last year, Ezra and I had maybe like five of them combined. It was wonderful. It's Texas OU. Everything's bigger, you know, at the at the Cotton Bowl at State Fair. You got to go big or go home. Uh, speaking of go big or go home, you guys have any uh, outlandish predictions with your score, Trenton? What do you what do you think the final score is going to be on Saturday? I think it's a coin flip game. I won't be surprised who wins either way, but I'm going to lean Oklahoma just because coming off of a loss, I feel like they're going to be pissed. I feel like Baker's pissed. He sounded pissed Monday when he took a shot at Sam Ellinger, and I just think that's a recipe for disaster usually. But I think it's going to be close. I got Oklahoma 35-31. Classic in the Cotton Bowl. Alex, what are you thinking? I'm not sure the fact that Oklahoma lost like last week is going to matter much. Uh, I mean, rankings don't matter. Records don't matter when it comes to this game. Um, and my question will be, can Texas come out with that attitude that it came out in Los Angeles? Mm. If they can do that, um, 
I don't see any reason why Texas could not win this game. Um, and I mean, I, it would be considered an upset, but I mean, people have been asking me, can can they do it? And uh, no, I don't think so. Actually, no, it's just- <laughs> I, I'm going to say Oklahoma 42, Texas 38. Oof, two classics in your guys' opinion. You know, I, I hate to have be the third guy to think Oklahoma's going to get the win. I think you know Texas defense struggled more than I think we kind of realized against Kansas State. They allowed a lot of big plays. They allowed a lot of you know big fifteen plus yard runs, especially in the second half for against a quarterback who, you know, whenever he caught the ball, everyone knew he was going to run with it. I think in the heat in the afternoon in Dallas, Texas defense going to wear down a little bit. Give me Oklahoma forty one thirty. I think it'll be you know a tight game throughout, but I think you know Oklahoma end up pulling away, winning by two scores. Uh, again, the Longhorns facing off against Oklahoma in the Red River Showdown. It's going to be two thirty start this year at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Uh, Longhorns are opening as seven and a half point underdogs. I, I think that spread is about right there. Uh, so thank you again for joining us on the Texan Overtime Podcast. Thank you to our podcast director, Zeke Fritz. Thank you to Trenton. Thank you to Alex. Please pick up a copy of the Daily Texan and Newsstands Around Campus and follow us on Twitter at Texan Sports. Once again, you can find this podcast uh, on the SoundCloud app or in the podcast app. Let's hope the Longhorns can go out there and, and take one against the Sooners on Saturday. And as Alex just reminded me, let's go Yankees. Let's take down those Astros. All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. This podcast was produced by The Daily Texan and hosted by Michael Shapiro, Trent Dagener, and Alex Persenio. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode, and you can always find more news at dailytexanonline.com. We are not the same.